Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We're going to be talking about solipsism. Solipsism, that's the word of the day, right? Um, But before we do, we're going to do a short uh, writing exercise. No, short drawing exercise, right? Um, There's pieces of paper and also as well there's pens. And uh, what I want you to do is to have, draw a dot in the middle, then draw three circles surrounding it. Dot in the middle, three circles around it. So it almost looks like a ripple effect or... One, two, three. All right, cool. So I want you guys in each circle to write five names, right? The dot in the middle basically represents you. And then this is to do with like your sphere or your network, right? So for the first circle, I want you to write down five names of people who's really, really close to you. So you could talk about your mum or your brother or your children, or you could talk about your best friend. Write those names, five of those. In the second circle, I want you to write down the names of people that you see on a day-to-day. So they may not be like your besties, but they're people that you see on a day-to-day. So it could be your friends or work colleagues. Five. Five of those. And then on the third circle, I want you to write down the people that you really don't speak to, but you do see them on a day-to-day. So like, even if you don't know their names, it could be like the person who like does admin at the front of the office or like the cleaner or it could just be their thing. The person who has that weird shirt every morning. <laughs> write down five people. Has everyone got that? All right, cool. Um, cool. So we're gonna get we're gonna get through and look look at this diagram quite often throughout um, this talk. And basically, what this is is the the dot in the middle is you, and all those names are the people that you kind of come across on a day to day basis. Um, the reason why I've got you guys to draw out this diagram is because of this one word that I came across the other day called solipsism. So basically, solipsism is the idea that you can only be sure of your own consciousness, right? You only know that your consciousness exists and everybody else's consciousness may be a fragment of your imagination, right? So it was an idea that I had when I was a little kid. When I was little, I always thought that what if when I die, I'll stand before God and he was like, this was all basically one big trick and everyone was just kind of playing a part of the trick and really it was all about you, right? That's what solipsism is. Um, Now, Many of us may not consider ourselves to attribute to that way of thinking, but it's very easy to fall into that way of thinking. Um, When you are a baby, there's very little times when you have to think about the person next to you. You are born and like every single thing you do, someone smiles at. Even if like you really, if you poop your pants, (laughs) people still laugh and go, no, it's really nice and like, that's the kind of stuff you can't get away with as an adult. But when you're a baby, everyone loves it, right? Um, people sing to you, people pay attention to you. As you get older, or as a child, there is that, there's still that thing where people are looking at you, people are paying attention to you. Um, 
and you could be fooled to think that everyone is looking at you even when they're not so there's this psychology term that basically talks about the invisible audience which happens quite a lot when you're a teenager when you make a mistake and you think that everyone's thinking about you and you're wondering what people are saying about you when as a matter of fact no one's thinking about you at all right you're kind of living before this like audience that's not actually there in the first place um or I don't know this may just be me being it but has it ever been a time when you're on road and you're putting headphones in your ears and you're listening to a playlist and like the playlist is banging right and then when you walk past people you almost move like yeah <laughs> you know I mean? like, like you know what I mean and you almost feel like they're a part of this thing that's happening in your head but it's not that's the invisible audience right um so it's very easy to feel like you are uh, kind of the most important person in the world because you are the person that you live with all the time. And I guess a sign of maturity for any human being is when you kind of get out of your own head and you begin to look out for the cares and needs of other people. That's a sign that someone's becoming an adult. That's a sign that somebody's growing up. It's very hard to get out of solipsism, believing that you are the center of the universe because truthfully, we're told nearly every single day that we are the center of the universe. I think it's like eight to 10,000 adverts are pushed to you every single day to say like, you need to make yourself better rather than making other people better. Um, the mechanics of what we use on a day-to-day with social media is about our world and our belief systems and we kind of validate ourselves in terms of how much people like us um, rather than our opinions on or how much we like other people. But... I guess that's, that's worldly talk. I guess the, the problem where, where it becomes very problematic is when it starts sinking into Christian beliefs and Christian philosophy. Um, when I started to look at Christian songwriting, this was probably a couple of years ago, I was quite annoyed at the fact that a lot of the songs really just talk about us. And it talks about us as individuals and how we feel. And a lot of times it doesn't even really talk about God. It's almost like how we feel about God rather than God's feeling towards us or God's feeling towards the people around us. Um, obviously, the songs that we sing in City Hill are not like that. But the ones that I've been, uh, that the ones that I grew up with are very much like that. And when you turn on Christian television, you'll see the exact same thing whereby it's very little dialogue about your impact on people around you or people around you in general but it's about your blessing and your time and your season and all that kind of stuff so the solipsism solipsism the solipsism I'm messing up the word anyway all the, that whole philosophy that's happening on the outside has kind of affected the church and this is obviously nothing new um, this is something that we've been dealing with for days hundreds of years thousands of years so anyway we're going to go to our first scripture and um the scripture is Isaiah 58 from 1 to 8 and um, I'm going to read through the whole thing but the scripture itself is amazing like when you get your time for yourself just kind of go through it properly um, and this scripture Isaiah 58 God is basically talking to Isaiah and he's talking about um, the people doing wrong right the people kind of need to need to fix up and this is how they need to do it right Um, so verse 1 it says cry aloud do not hold back lift up your voice like a trumpet declare to my people their transgression to the house of Jacob their sins yet 
They seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in a day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. If such the fast that I chose, a day for a person to humble himself, is it to bow, bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not a fast that I chose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him, and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. So this scripture is incredibly powerful simply for the fact that there's a huge contradiction, I feel, in the first two verses. And God is speaking to Isaiah and saying, you need to go to the people of Israel, you need to go to my people and say that they're doing wrong, right? They need to fix up. But here's a contradiction. They actually seek me daily. They're actually fasting, they're praying, they're in their word, they're, they're, seek, they're seeking me, right? Those first two verses blow me away completely because these people were actually doing the things that, well, I, I, I aspire to. I aspire to be praying all the time and fasting all the time and seeking God all the time. And then you have to ask yourself, why is this a problem for God? Because then what ends up happening, God is like, I'm not even hearing this. Because if you read in verse... Uh, three to four it says why have we fasted and you see it not why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it so the people of Israel are seeking God but even when they're pursuing God they're not really finding any answers back and they're asking themselves what is the point of this why, why are you not replying to us and then God then replies behold in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your work, work, workers Verse 4, Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. So he then says, All right, you're doing all the right things, but the intentions is jaded. Because you're doing certain things like you want to fast in order to be spiritually superior. Or even while you're fasting, you're oppressing all your workers. You miss the whole point of fasting. And it even gets to a point where they, they look like they're fasting. So like they're putting sackcloth and ashes on their face. They're looking dry. Their skin is completely dry. And he's saying that all of this is not the kind of fast that I chose for you. Right? He then comes with a solution. Verse 6. Is not this the fast that I chose? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To, uh, to let the oppressed go free. And to break every yoke. And in verse 7. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? What he's basically saying is 
a lot of the time when it comes to being spiritual we see ourselves as kind of separating ourselves putting ourselves in a dungeon and coming back on a Dragon Ball Z tip where you're just super powerful and you're healing everybody and all that kind of stuff and God is like mm, that's not that's not the purpose of fasting the purpose of fasting is really the food that you was going to eat today give it to someone you can't eat it's the energy that you was going to reserve for yourself give that energy to somebody else a redundant fast is when you're actually using all your energy for yourself while you're, when you're supposed to be spiritual so I feel like God comes with a very interesting proposition because once you apply this not just with fasting but with prayer and with giving and all the spiritual practices we have you actually realise that every single practice he's given us is actually to improve Shema is to improve your relationship with other people um, relationships are your religion that is that is the religion our, our religion is how we have connected with other people so he then says when you do fast when you're supposed to feed yourself use that food for somebody else and then he says something incredibly interesting which is verse 8 he says then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. So he knew the intentions of the people of Israel. He knew that when they were fasting, he, they wanted to get closer to God, right? They wanted the glory of the Lord to come down and all that kind of stuff. And he said, well, that's fine. But what I'm actually looking to do is if you become a blessing, then I will bless you. You know, normally when we have that whole thing, I'm blessed to be a blessing. But he's like, no, 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 let's reverse that sentence. If you become a blessing, I will bless you. So if you do this thing where you actually take fasting seriously in a sense where you're helping those in the time when you're supposed to reserve energy for yourself, that's when the glory of the Lord will help you. That's when the glory of the Lord will come upon you. Um, you all know the, the, the purpose or the meaning of Shema, which is to, to hear, listen, and understand. And that is really the only command that God has really given us. Everything in the Bible is either somebody filling Shema or someone just not doing what Shema says. And a word that has really been bugging me a lot, right, has been the word proof. I'm a person that really follows, like, words and I get one word and I just kind of run with it. But the one that's really been bugging me a lot is the word proof because it's, it's a word that basically suggests... Can you prove your faith in God? I know you, I know you have it, you, or you, hypothetically you have it, but where's the proof that you're a son of God? Where's the proof that you're a child of God? And even when you stand before God, when we stand before God, the only conversation that he's going to have with us is the relationship that we've had with other people. I wrote something the other day that basically says that God will never judge you based on other people's opinion of you, but he will judge you based on your opinions on other people. And as a child of God, how do we interact with the people around us? How do we empower the people around us? Because, like I said before, the sign of maturity is not necessarily that you're older, but the sign of maturity is that you've gone outside of your own head and started to be aware of the consciousness of others. And me, for one, I want to be more of a child of God than a baby of God. Right? I want to be someone who's, um, that God can say, you know, well done. 
you kind of went outside of your own head and you was conscious of the people around you. So this diagram that I got you guys to write and draw out at the beginning, that's your prayer map, right? That's your prayer map. These are the people that's around you that maybe for the next week or two weeks or however long you want it to be, these are the people that you're praying for. You are almost like the beacon of energy, right? And all of these people will be affected by your prayers. All of these people will be affected by your moves. And as we move forward, let us kind of question or let us really be mindful of the things that we're doing and making sure that it's not only just self-serving. Because the thing that God said is, he didn't say that, oh, like you guys have been fasting for 12 months and I need to fast for 24 months. He, was, he wasn't trying to add on to the workload. He was just saying, change why you're doing the workload in the first place. So when you're fasting, continue to fast, but change the intention of why you fast. When you pray, continue to pray, but change the intention. When you eat, buy two meals. Not all the time. That's so <laughs> simple. The there's a budget, isn't it? But when you go out to eat, sometimes think about buying two meals for somebody else. Um, and that's the exercise that we're in. That's what makes us more children of God. Right? So solipsism, that's the word. And we are enemies of solipsism. We are people who are trying to oppose and run away from solipsism. So let's do a quick prayer. And... Um, Hopefully you guys are blessed by it. Father, we thank you so much for your words um, of comfort, your law that teaches us to be mindful of those around us, um, your word that teaches us that we are kings and priests and we are proof that you exist. And I pray that out of the, the other side of this prayer that we may be able to really think about those people who we affect on a day-to-day -day basis the people who we exchange ideas with and we become a blessing to them not just in respect of um, us being people who are um, us being people who are kind of going about our own life and our own ways but thinking about the, the cares and needs of other people so we love you and pray that you bless us and we pray that we are um, we are taught to be a blessing in order to be blessed. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.